The following program will make you want to grow things and experience new and wonderful dreams about your plants, garden, and garden design. Listener participation is always strongly advised. And welcome to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101. To get on board right now, send us an email. Our email address is instudio101 at gmail.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, right to your host of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Hello and welcome everyone to Down the Garden Path podcast, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice for your plants and landscapes. We enjoy talking about landscape design and learning how we have, can have a positive impact on our environment. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design. And I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we think it's important and possible to have great gardens that are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And we want to thank everybody for joining us this evening on Down the Garden Path. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Today, we are discussing starting seeds for beginners. So we got off to a little bit of start. We dabbled. We had an absolutely fabulous show last week with Julia Demakos. So if you missed that show, please go back and listen to it. So she talked all about the stuff that she's got going on and, and how she does vegetable gardening. And that was wonderful. And we talked on some grow lights and things like that. But we know we had, everybody has a lot of questions, uh, seeing all the qu questions on social media and that type of thing. Um, so we thought we would do a deep dive, kind of a Q&A if you guys have questions. Um, but we thought we would do a good deep dive on Seed Starting 101. That is right. Um, yeah, that's right. We're going to do seed, yeah, diving, yeah. Uh, Seeds on 101. That's what we're doing tonight. All righty. Um, you know what I really like to just go quick and plugging back to Julia's show um, was the seed calculator. Yes. Um, so yes. that was wonderful. Um, I haven't bought it yet. I've actually got it in my cart. Uh, but she helps you plan out and start all of your seeds uh, according to like what zone you're in and what you're planting. So you kind of have this map as to when you should be starting what and uh, when you should be putting things out, etc. So definitely check out Julia's site for that, juliademakos.com uh, and under her shop tag, ta tab, blah, blah, blah. it is awesome. Uh, some great resources there. So I cough in there and we'll have it in the show notes. We'll actually add her website again to this show's show notes so that you can go back. But we do have um, that episode and, and all the information and a link to her calculators in our show notes from last week. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So where yeah. do we start with all of this seed starting? Well, I think the first thing is probably starting with ordering the seeds. Yes. And purchasing the seeds, which in a pandemic has proven to be a little challenging. Yes. I like to start a, a, a sliver earlier. I, I agree. Ooh. That's definitely the first step. 
I like to start with a bit of a plan. I find just out of like the mm. garden center experience, what I find is a lot of people come in and they're excited. They've got all these grandiose plants. I'm going to start this veggie garden. I'm going to grow all my annuals from seed. And they come in and they just devour the entire seed rack. Or they, they leave with like handfuls and handfuls of things. And then everybody's like, well, I bought these three tomato packs. How many seeds do I need to plant out? And then you've got 50 plants and you've got more tomatoes than like you and you know half the neighborhood could use and so i like to start with and i kind of thought of you when i was thinking about this too just you know great landscapes start with a plan is joanne's uh down to earth motto and i i agree and i think that's one of the things we need to keep in mind when we do our veggie garden is how much space do we actually have when we start and that'll actually help you um it'll trickle down through through all the steps we're going to talk about today but you know how many plants do you really need to grow how much do you need inside what equipment save you money and space as it's all at a premium while we're locked inside especially this year during the cool winter months that's so a great cool. point yeah and i'm i'm actually sad that i didn't think of it with my whole great like you said start with a plan so whew, good for there you, you. <laughs> and you could use that <laughs> there you go yeah so i like to start with a plan i mean I know I only have two window boxes and a, a 25 gallon nursery tree shrub and a 15 gallon. So I know that, you know, my tomato plant's going to grow up eight feet tall, but it's going to take up like, you know, two square feet, three square feet, um, you know, three by three or a two by two area kind of area. Most of that pot. So I'm going to have to plan in that root system. What else can I put in there? So you, as you grow these things, I can't have three tomatoes. So just kind of knowing what, you've got out there. So definitely start. Uh, that's so that's my tip. I think so too. And I think in part of the planning then means that you're um, kind of researching because a tomato isn't it like there's within each vegetable, there are a lot like it's almost overwhelming. In fact, it is overwhelming, right? So yeah. I think it's really important, um, depending on um, the plan. So if you're just planning to, to uh, have a little bit of space, so you want to look for more compact varieties or varieties that might work better in a container. If you have a ton of space, then you're going to choose different varieties, um, you know, depending on how you garden. So I think, I think starting with the plan also helps you figure out which within those like tomatoes or cucumbers, you know, what do you want to do with them? Did you want to can them into sauce? Do you want to eat them off the plant? Do you want to have ink? Because I know my son's planted cucumbers, our first vegetable garden, that they wanted to pickle. Well, they planted English cucumbers. They did not plant the pickling cucumbers, oh. you know? So those are little things, right? Do you, is it something? Um, so I think that's something that's kind of all part of the plan is um, it seeds when it comes to vegetable seeds, it's way more more complicated than the produce department, right? At that grocery store. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know you're gonna go in there and buy this for this, but yeah. So kind of taking that same mindset to your seeds. So recognizing that space will help you narrow down your priorities to what you want to use that space for. And if you know that you you know have room for two tomatoes, you're gonna to have to you know really okay these are the tomatoes because these are the uses. So you can fill in that space. So yes, so starting with a plan helps us narrow down our desires for that garden our actual needs for that garden and then we can help that pick that that mindset and that plan can help us go into the garden center and buy a, a little bit more i'm gonna lose the word it's monday night um <laughs> I guess you're coming in with a little bit more of a planner, like an education. Yeah, you're a bit more process. organized, I think, and not Thank overwhelmed you. because yes. I think it, it can be overwhelming, right? Um, yes. So I think that is something that uh, coming up with that plan and knowing what we want to do, um, because then it gets into the, you know, you've got the varieties and what's available. So we are finding um, that many seed companies are out of stock of certain things or low stock of certain things. You still, um, if, uh, if you can go to a garden, you can place orders with garden centers, right? And most are doing curbside. So, you know, don't give up on your local garden center. Um, so, it, you know, it's, we're having to do a, things a little bit differently this year, aren't we, as far as sourcing the seeds? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, definitely. And they're just moving so much quicker. So yeah, don't hesitate. It's one of the top things you need to do right now. 
Um, not only do we have to have the time to grow those specific things, but we need to get them in hand too. And don't forget to reach out to your fellow gardeners, um, other people who you know who are growing their own veggies. A lot of people are saving their own seeds. Um, as I'm teaching at the college, um, I have already received some free tomato seeds um, from a snow white cherry tomato um, that my student gave me and I am super excited. I think that's gonna be the tomato that I'm gonna grow out on the balcony. Um, super sweet, cool little white, um, almost like a green grape with a bit of a white hue to it. Oh, um, really? So totally oh. off the stereotypical color and very sweet. So uh, it's indeterminate, so it's a vining, so I'll put it on my steak. But um, yeah, so already thinking ahead to making sure that, you know, I, or, or sorry, realizing what sources that might be out there beyond just those seeds as well. Mm -hmm. So, but just like you said, a lot of, I was doing some online searching certain seed companies are actually shutting down or pausing their shipping for like weeks in advance because the volume is just in so intense right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely take a look around. Yeah. And I think it created, cause I think some people have been ordering seeds since December when like almost too yeah. early so that it's created this, like they've ordered and you know, we're getting into almost that hoarding thing. So, um, so yeah. So I think, yeah, coming up with a plan, really researching what type of plant you want like you mentioned in indeterminate there with tomatoes so we'll get into some of that lingo as well and, and do some more explaining um so yeah so i think seed starting you know obviously starts with sourcing the seeds and figuring out um you know what you want to grow and not going too crazy because i think uh, it can be overwhelming and there's a lot of seeds in those packages um, I do want to shout out to oh, another source of seeds is horticultural societies. Many, uh, I'm not sure quite how they're figuring it out. I'm, cu I'm curious to watch, um, but many are actually going to hold us as some kind of a CD. They used to be called CD Saturdays and you actually go and exchange seeds or get seeds. So there are going to be some seed swaps going on. Uh, I know Cannington uh, in Durham region here, east of Toronto, uh, Cannington Horticultural Society is uh, working with two other clubs to coordinate one. So I'll be, I'll can report back maybe uh, in the next couple of weeks, but um, so keep an eye wherever your garden, local garden club is. And if they're not doing something like that, then even just connecting with other gardeners, um, like you said, they're gonna, you know, people are gonna grow more than they can plant or they have seeds, that, more seeds than they can grow. And, and so that's, you know, that's a great way to source seeds. Is so you're the president of the Pickering Hort Society. Correct. Are you guys going to do a seed type thing? Uh, or We're not. No? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I just don't with between this show and the uh, my business. <laughs> I just don't have the bandwidth, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. But but I definitely um, I'm going to talk we actually have a meeting tomorrow night. So I'm going to just see, you know, how many people are growing things. And, you know, I can see us maybe arranging some kind of a, a swap. Um, of actual plants, but I don't know that we can pull off, especially you know, with seeds. So we'll see. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So where do we want to go next? Well, Start I think. Oh, go ahead. What? No, no. I now I see on your list you actually said starting with a plan. Oh, there. <laughs> uh, did we want to talk any more about choosing seeds? I think one of the things it kind of ties in with choosing seeds and seed packages is a lot of people, especially my experience at the garden center, they come in and they ask, well, how do you tell, like, is it organic or is it non-organic? What's mm -hmm. all of that involved? Um, so choosing seeds, when you choose your seeds, take a look at the racks. They all will pretty much say, maybe not on the seed pack as boldly as the seed, or sorry, not as much of the seed, package as so much as the seed rack itself so the the spinner or the shelf you're going to pick the seeds from but it will dictate whether or not they are non-gmo or they are organic it's usually built into the the uh display. merchandising display mm -hmm. versus the seeds themselves not that it won't say that on it as well okay so basically what it comes down to it is that all the sources that went into feeding the mother plant to create this organic seed, this certified organic seed, all those additional components before we got to the seed stage was also were also certified organic. So the soil was certified organic, the plant was grown under certified organic conditions so that we have this certified organic seed as okay. well. I have found, I, I have 
grown both. I have not found, and again, I have a, a I've been living in a condo. I don't have this expansive to test every seed. Uh, organic versus non-organic. I know that they're non-GMO, the ones that I have tried, but the certified organic and the non-organic um, under the conditions that I've grown them in, I've never been able to tell. Oh yeah, that's definitely, you know, here's the same two plants or the two same two herbs, but this was definitely the organic tasted better. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of it comes down to the conditions that you have in your garden, the soil, your own practices. Are you fertilizing synthetic versus organic? Um, a myriad of other factors that are going to happen during the growing season. You'll also find that the certified organic, you are gonna pay for that certified organic. So take a look at your seed packages. The organic ones will be a bit more expensive, depending on where you are and what brand or company you have anywhere from, you know, 20 cents to $2 and 20 cents more. There'll be a range. Mm -hmm. The other thing with the seeds is the weight of the seeds in the package. You know, we can get, some of them are tougher to come to seed. Um, some of them have, they're done by grams. And so the production of that seed and the difficulty and the stages that go into, that's why you can get so few seeds of one cultivar versus another one. It's like, you know, the same price, but there's like 50 seeds in this one and six or seven and in that other. one. Yeah, yeah. Right. For sure. So those are just some of the things that you'll come across with choosing your seeds and on your seed packages. Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to mention that we did do a past show in, I'm trying to think, uh, 2017 with, um, with Daniel from Harris Seeds Organic. That's now right. those seeds were not, you know, we had Daniel and a guest for a couple of episodes of our show and they are not currently available in Canada. So for our Canadian listeners, you won't find them here. Um, but for our US listeners, you will be able to find them. And our show, um, it'll be in our show notes. Um, we did the show in um, 2017. And then again, you did one with him uh, spring and spring of 2018. But the 2017 show, he did talk all about because he was in charge of the organic seed yes. um, division. So uh, the organic brand manager at Harris Seeds. So he did a great job of that show really explaining the process. If you are curious about organic seeds, uh, then definitely uh, go back and listen to that show. Um, that was a really good one. So um, we learned a lot, didn't we? We did. That was yeah. amazing uh, talk with Daniel. Yeah. So when this show goes live, you will be able to uh, listen to, uh, you know, look at that, look up that show in the show notes. So um, I did right. want to mention that. And there's other things I think educating yourself because there's lots of words and different things on the lay on the packages right you know uh, last frost date um, scarification like right there's lots of stratification not scarification yeah. Some of them, some of them could be scarification. Yes, well. some of them could be scarification. So there are. So I think if you're new at this, and and that's really what we want our show to today to be geared to. If you've never done it before, you know, then do some reading of those words. So stratification is that's cold, right? We need to keep it means it's something that needs to be kept cold. Right. So it needs to be having a certain amount of cold period or a certain cold period for so many days to finish those enzymatic and biological process inside the seed to grow up. Some stratification might need some warm uh, periods and then some cold periods, but usually mm. most seeds are just a straight cold period. More okay. in the tropical, they might be needing a little bit more of a warmer period, um, but most often it's a, a degree day of so many days, like 10 to 12 weeks, like the bulbs, where they're just cold before they okay. can finish and keep going. That's okay. right. Scarification basically means that the seed coat itself is holding the seed from germinating. So it's thick, it's impermeable. Think of like a coconut washing up on the beach, right? The coconut is so thick, it's the slamming of the water, pushing the coconut against the beach, that rough sand that's scarring the outer shell of the coconut that wears it down so that the seed can grow. So it's breaking down that outer shell so that water can become uh, absorbed in and she can start again. So in that case, you might need to like file it, right? Or some kind of like a bit of sandpaper or something. Yep. Or bounce them around with some, yeah, some, you could do a little filing thing. You could put them in some seeds uh, or something rougher, some like vermiculite or something larger. Uh, I just kind of rough them or scratch them up enough. Right? Okay. Like in a jar and like shake them kind of thing. That's enough. Yeah. You could do something like oh, okay. that. Yep. Okay. Sometimes you can use just as well. Um, 
like an acid. So you could use um, like your rubbing alcohol or hydrochloric acid, just a light, you know, 10 to one kind of thing. And that bleach will start to break down the outer shell and scarify it as well. Okay. And if you see double dormancy, you might see them need both. So they need to be scarified and stratified as well. Now, is there an order? Would you do that? You can almost do them simultaneously. You can scarify them and then stratify them at the same time. Sometimes you can also do it, um, the warm period, that heat, that breaking down in the sun and the environment, the acids can break it down and then it goes into the cold period. So there's a couple ways you could do that, but you probably won't find anything too much double double right. dormancy or double dormant in your seeds okay. at the moment. So is this stuff that you're talking about in, with your students as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we talk okay. about all the different seeds and starting and all the components okay. that it takes to start that seed and nursery kind of side of things. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And are you, do you, do the kids get to start plants? Yep. We get to start plants. We get to start from seed. We get to t- take cuttings of other woody and herbaceous materials, start them in our greenhouse and kind of bring them along and see what's happening and why they are and aren't doing that. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It must be fun for you to play in that big nursery then too. Yes. We have a beautiful greenhouse and lots of different trials and things going on. We've got an aquaponics bay starting lots of seedlings and sprouts and Lots of fun stuff. There you but go. I so that's what Matt's been up to. Excellent. <laughs> so when he geeks out science it's paid off. <laughs> so we've reached uh, 721. I think we've we talked about seed packages. Do we want to, anything else before I get to a few questions? No, I think, I think we, we got to a good step, you know, because then we go on to the actual doing. So I'd love to hear what our listeners, uh, what kind of questions our listeners have. Yeah, perfect. Um, could we, just before we jump in, because Brian's got a question about uh, the doing and the startering and the equipment and stuff. Um, your average last frost date will be different depending on what zone you are as well. Just so, uh, that's a question I often get. What's yes. our, what does that, when is that, what is, and it's basically the last time frost will usually for sure show up in your area. So for mm-hmm. our area in the GTA, um, it's like the May 2-4 weekend, May 20th, and it kind of changes depending on the source you're looking at. Um, I, but like Winnipeg, I think it's like June 10th to 15th, something right. like that is their yeah. average last frost date. So. so yeah, wherever you are, I think if you Google your where you are, you know, there's lots of charts and there's lots of things you can look up. Um, but really, I think also it, it's not a hard and fast rule. Like just because our date is May 20th, you oh, can yeah. still put your plants out on June 1st. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And in some ways that might be better. So, so it's, I think people hold that too, too much. So that's a whole other show, I think, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a, um, like, it's not an exam deadline, like the, you know what I mean? You yes. missed the, you missed the boat kind of thing. It's not like that at all. So it's just a, it's just a guide, like treat it as a guideline. Right. Right. Yeah. My grandmother always was the one, let's just wait till June 1st. Just be mm-hmm. safe. Those extra eight days. Yeah. Yeah. So heading into the listener questions, um, Brian has written it. Hello, Matt. Hello, Joanne. Would you recommend those starter pot things uh, where you place the seeds on them and water them and they kind of turn into a pot? More importantly, Joanne, did you watch the Super Bowl? Ha. Huh. <laughs> Well, let's do, do I do the Super Bowl? Did one you watch first? the Super Bowl? Yes, I, yes, I did. And You're I was very, dis- very disappointed. So I, the Super Bowl show was great. Weekend did a good job. But yeah, I don't know where my team went. And I was outnumbered in my house because everybody else is cheering for the other team. So thanks for asking. Um, oh. But those little pods, I like those things. I don't know what your opinion is. I like them. Yeah, we call them the peat pellets or the peat pucks. Yes. Um, but yes, they're fantastic. Um, you water them, you put your seeds on in the beginning or uh, water them first, let them fatten up, get all moist. Uh, and then you can, if you need to plant your seed a little bit deeper, you can do so. Um, but yeah, so Brian, they're fantastic. I love them. You can get them in little windowsill trays. So if you're limited with space for your equipment inside, you can put them in the window um, or you can put them under smaller lights. So they they're they're fantastic. I like that they're also you can see that the roots have grown out to the edge and they grow through the mesh of the peat. So you can see when they're ready to be moved into another container, mm-hmm. into a small 
orange pot and mm-hmm. then keep going up. And then that's where you'll also see the peat pot series. Um, I think in Canada, I don't know about in the States, um, Mac- uh, Mackenzie probably in the States, obviously, but their brand Jiffy, um, they, the Jiffy pots, they're like that yeah. fibrous pot. So I usually pot them up in that with the soil that I like. And again, they will continue to break through that pot. Those roots come through. So, you know, when it's coming up, they can't get root bound. So they can't stunt or do weird things mm-hmm. in that as well. So it really, yeah. if you're not watering them. So yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, and I kind of like them too because the tricky to me the trickiest part of of growing seeds is that handling of them. Like you know from the, from the different stages once it germinates, right? Putting the seed in the thing and you know it having germinate like the seed does all the hard work. But I love that you can it's just easy without trying to separate. I know my whole I did the whole big tray of onions last year and then it was like so you know trying to separate them from each other and and things like that was very daunting. So I think for a new person, a newbie, and even experienced gardener, I think those those little peat pellets are are wonderful. So, yeah, yeah I love them. It takes the thinking about it. When do you mm-hmm. repot it up? If you have it in a cell pack, right, and then you're pushing, you're compacting that root zone to get them out of those cells. Whereas these other jiffy peat pellets in the pots, they're all um, biodegradable slash compostable. You can they just plant them right as is. So you don't have yeah. to really disturb anything. Really is mm-hmm. easy. That's great. Chris has written in. Hi, folks. I can't wait until spring and neither can we, Chris. Um, my two, my questions to you, sorry. Uh, is it better regarding the quality of fruit for tomatoes to be grown by seeds or by plants? Ooh, you know what? If, if you get really into the organic side of things, I think that's where the flavor and everything else comes into play. Um, as far as the quality of the fruits, are you feeding it properly? Do you have it in the right soil? Are you, do you have it in good soil? This could go for on non-organically as well. Um, usually the seed companies, Chris, when they're bringing you in the plants, they're growing them under perfect conditions. Um, they're, they're quality seeds that they've got grown to. Uh, they've just kind of taken the growing in that stage out for you. I think it really comes down to how we treat them in the garden afterwards. Like, are we watering them enough? Do we have the right soil? Are they being fed? Are they being overfed or underfed? Things like that as far as um, the quality of the fruit. Tomatoes are super thirsty. Uh, plants, they're heavy feeders at two times of year. So if you un underdo it you can definitely affect that quality Mm -hmm. as well and then again no tomatoes all have different flavors uh, and acidity and sweetness values too so you might have if you don't like yours you might be growing it perfectly fine but that might be that tomatoes uh, flavor profile might not be the one that you really Mm -hmm. like Mm-hmm. Did yeah, you so it it look like... back to the research? Yeah, because I think we researching too when you go to buy them, like which which variety you want, right, to buy. So, um, so yeah, I think I think that's difficult, and I think um, yeah, it's a tough question, but it's a good a tough question. question. Yeah, and I think it's it's there's no right, wrong right or wrong answer there. I think, yeah, no, no, and it's sure. like why I'm jumping between cherry tomatoes. Yeah. I'm trying them all. Yeah, um, some of them are more acidic, but I like more of a sweeter cherry tomato. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good. Another question. Uh, Don writes in, darn Casey lost. Uh, anyway, is it possible to save our own seeds from tomatoes? Is it just saving the actual seeds from the tomato after we cut them open? Uh, and if so, how do we save them? What is the procedure? Thank you. That is a, a, a huge question that I, I think we were going to get closer to to the end. Okay. Um, but you can definitely do them. Um, some of them, you can't do them. Some of them are more hybrid um, and you, they don't really save well or they don't save at all. Your heirlooms are better to do it with. Um, but yeah, definitely you can do that. It basically, just like you were saying, Dawn, you're basically, yeah, harvesting the seeds, much like you would peel the seeds out of like a cantaloupe, dry them off, save them, keep them in a spot that doesn't get them overly moist so that they do, they rot or anything else like that. And um, yeah, they're, they're pretty good to go. Just thinking about this, and I meant to tell you as well, um, one of the other uh, podcasts that you might want to check in with is we did a starting and saving seeds with Julie Thompson Adolph, and which right. reminds me of that is I think you were looking for this. Yes, you have. I the have book. Joanne's yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but yes, yeah, so, so take a look at that one as well. And if there's lots of information on different cultivars and veggies and mm-hmm. different things to save your seeds from. So mm-hmm. it's not always the same as well. Yeah. And that actually ties in with our next listener question. Howard is written in and, and he's, and I kind of agree. And he says he wanted to say hello from San Diego, California, waiting for spring regarding saving seeds. What is the actual advantage of saving versus just buying a pack? It all sounds very complicated. Love you folks. Thank you very much, Howard. Um, I kind of agree. Like I think the whole saving seeds thing, right. You know, unless, but I think there's some, like that's whether you get the heirloom varieties or the Mm -hmm. seeds that your grandmother grew that kind of thing um so yeah so we're gonna do a little deeper dive later in the show on that one yeah yeah but it can be very niche or very Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so thank you everyone for your listeners question i'm not used to having you on the other end of that email so thank you sorry yeah i know i forgot i mean i'm i just thought while you were finishing that anyway so no that was perfect for you um yeah so thank you everybody (laughs) always for listening and uh for joining us here that's right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us down the garden path on Reality Radio 101. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting, relevant, and helpful topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. So don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path. Find us on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content, like, share, and leave us a comment. We always love to hear from you you can also find us at down the garden path podcast on facebook as well to share your pictures and comments and continue the conversation later as well mm-hmm. yeah. so we've talked about choosing seeds and seed packages we started with equipment from brian so i think again just kind of going back to that plan how many plants that you're actually going to buy brian um kind of touched on it maybe you just need something simple like a water tray uh some pellets and a light source so just a very small operation but if you're planting out rows and rows of stuff you've got a major major backyard like julia was saying she had set or five thousand square feet seven i think seven thousand seven thousand sorry yes because we joked about going to nine she's starting lots and lots of of trays of seeds she's got a huge set up multiple lights etc etc so she's got lots of different trays and domes and heating mats and lights Mm -hmm. etc plant tags you may not all need that so knowing what you're going to plant will kind of take that overwhelming feeling when you get into the garden center or wherever you like to buy your seed starting supplies you Mm -hmm. can know what you need so what do we need to start our seeds what equipment do we need to start our seeds we obviously need some sort of soil right? We're going to plant them out in the garden in the dirt, uh, in dirt, that's not a thing, soil, <laughs> or soil. we're going to start them inside in some sort of soilless mix. So the peat pellets, the seed starting mixes, they are all soil less. So basically that just means they have no soil in them. Soil is clay, silt, and sand. Mm-hmm. If without those three in it, they're soilless. Yeah. So, so it's take more a look. like a peat, right? Like a peat. Right. So we usually use like a coconut husk or a peat moss, um, some vermiculite or perlite, all mixed in. Usually, it the seed starting mixes are a little bit more well draining as well, just to allow that oxygen to pass in and around the seed as well. So just take a look by a quality sterile soilless seed mix. We want to okay. start. But now if you have potting mix at home, do you need to go out and buy seed starting mix? I think I'm going to ask that question because I I don't think so. But what do you think? You're dead on. No, the the main difference is just a few of the components and their percentages tend to be tweaked. Mm -hmm. The potting mix tends to have a bit more of that moisture retention. Um, So it is well drained still, but it's maybe not as well drained as the seed starting because the seeds need a little bit of that extra air circulation. But that extra moisture in the potting mix is just going to help those bigger plants hold the moisture longer when they're out in the container and the blazing sun blooming their days off right so yes if you have potting mix at home go for it i've got Mm -hmm. a bag of potting mix i'm just gonna that's what i'm starting my yes yeah because i think that like in the especially in this day and age where it's hard we can't just pop into a store and pick up another bag right so if you have potting i know i have a big or big container in my garage of potting mix that i go and scoop take scoops out to top up my house plants and things like that so if that's what you have 
um, then that is perfectly fine. So no worried, like everything you read says you have to do a seed mix or something like that. Um, it's perfectly fine. The seeds will still grow. Yep, for sure. And if you don't have, if you grow at home and you've got compost piles, if you've got access to your compost piles, get some of that good, already composted, ready to use material. And you can start in that as well. Can you really like straight that or should you mix that up with the, with the, um, no, you could, you could just use a, a nice compost. Yeah. Okay. Just nice and nutrient rich. It's got that organic matter, some good air spaces in there. Yeah. All right. For sure. Interesting. Excellent. And so we talked about the pellets. So those make like individual little plants. Otherwise there's, you know, the big seed trays that have the little domes, right? So you could start, you know, you fill that with the soil and then, yep. okay. Yeah, so you, can, you get basically like what we call the cell packs, right? So they're those little plastic four or threes or sixes. Um, and you can put them in the plastic tray and they have the dome on them. It's usually what you'll see what you buy your annuals in. Mm. They're good to go for quite a while for them to fill those cells. And you just poke the bottom and they all pop out. Um, the other thing you can find is some of the plug trays. So it, it's the same kind of size at 22 inches by 11 inches, but they've got like 72 to 128 different little hexagonal plugs in them. So if you're starting lots of the same thing and you're going to slowly spread out into different things, you could use that as well. And okay. you're just going to fill it up, level it off, give it a couple of bangs. You want to um, start with your soilless mix moist. So going back to our soil. So if, if it is dry, you've got it out in the bag from your garage. Yes. Make sure you pour like a half a pitcher to a pitcher. I like to start small and add more often uh, than one big go, but add some water in, turn it all around, add some water in and turn it all around until it's a nice dark color and it's sticking to your hand, but you okay. don't want it to be sopping soggy wet. So yeah. it's still fluffy and pliable, but it's moist and you can spread it out, give your tray, lift it, drop it, lift it, drop it, kind of a couple bangs and that'll get the air pockets out of there as well. Because if you get a sealed air pocket that's too moist, the roots can get into the open air and prune off or just die or rot or yeah. something happens in there. So just making sure it's nice and compact um, into those trays. Okay, yeah. perfect. If you're really advantageous and you're really pressed for space, you could do it another way. A lot of uh, greenhouses as well. They will just get the bottom tray, fill it with soil, sprinkle all their seeds on top of one type. And then as they've sprouted, they'll take the strongest ones out mm. with the back of a spoon and pot them up all individually. Thinning. Thinning, yeah. So, and then that comes into our next, one of our other questions when we're potting things up into our equipment. Um, you know, how many seeds we often get do you put into a cell pack, right? How many seeds do you plant at once? Mm -hmm. And you always want to plant up to three seeds mm. because not all seeds guaranteed. Right. There's no way whatsoever, save by gauging the practices we use to bring up the plant and knowing that when we harvested that seed, the seeds came from a healthy uh, mother plant for lack of a better word, uh, a mother plant so that those seeds should be of a quality, right? Okay. So. Genetics happen, right? They may not all be viable. She right. does her best to give us those seeds. So we want to plant up to three seeds to make sure they all germinate in that small space, mm -hmm. right? And then like you were saying, thinning, always pick out the two or the three weakest ones if you end up putting up four, right? Okay. So take the weakest ones and then you plant them out. That's right. And so my t my tidbit too is good labels. I know I didn't. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So I know like you think you when you're planting them, you think you'll know what that is and you'll remember what that is and you'll remember which ones are this and which ones are flowers and which ones are tomato plants. But you know, you won't. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, so find a popsicle stick, find something, um, you know, uh, or keep them separate, something like that. So definitely that will save you lots of time um, because they'll, they'll have slightly different needs. And I don't know about you, what you think of this, um, but I know when, when watering, so once you planted your seeds and it's still fragile, but yet you need to add some moisture, um, I found actually like pouring water in almost a little precarious. So I was doing a lot with a, a spray bottle. I found I could, you know, because it's, it, the soil's sh fairly shallow and I know the bottom still had water, but you know, when the surface starts to, to, um, to yeah. be dry. 
Um, although I, I might have skipped ahead because after we do all that, we after we plant them, we should put the little dome over them, right? Until they germinate. Right, right. We can have the little clear dome. Yes. Right, lets the sun in, keeps the air warm, keeps everything warm. Um, if you find that you've put your dome on and you get big water droplets on the inside of the dome, there's too much water in the system. Ah. So the system's overfilled with water. So if you lift it straight up, and tilt it like eight degrees okay. or so. So you just have the corners, little holes or gaps okay. on the corners. Like That'll give it, more yeah. points for the air to come in and flow through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it should just come up as a fine mist. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you, if you don't have the, like, has any kind of plastic, like any kind of lid work? You could use, yeah, anything that the sunlight's going to get through to warm it. If you were really in a pinch and you wanted to, you could, you could put it over saran wrap. You could build oh, okay. four posts, saran Perfect. the sides, just make okay. sure there's some airflow. And if you needed to, you could introduce the mist. As you were saying with um, starting the seeds, um, definitely, even in class, we've got the little sticks that you put in to label your seeds. So I have the students write their name, their species, everything on it. But also just in case, because those can go missing, especially in that classroom. So it might be over-exaggerating. But um, if you find that you're going to have to move things around, you just use some masking tape that you can put on the bottom of your cell packs. If you use like the cells or oh, the okay. side of your tray and write it on that too. So if a mm -hmm. stick goes missing or you need something, yeah. you can have it there too. And then yes, you don't need to water everything, right? Because the seed is only drawing in the moisture from the, the area right around it. So we don't need to mm -hmm. flood all that or keep it right. swampy. Not so like we, a house plant, right? You're not watering a house plant. Right, we're not watering houseplants. So they're just that extra mist. And that's what the dome is going to keep, help prevent that evaporation, keep it in the system, keep the moisture available to it. And even at the college in the greenhouse, where all of our seed trays and things were under misters or we're misting them by hand again, just until those seeds really get started to grow. Okay. And do you take, so soon as you start to see the, like, any green peek out, then you take off the dome or do you wait for something more established? No, oh, yes, sorry, I totally went off on one side. Excellent. Um, you can leave it until the plant starts touching the dome itself. Oh. So usually the dome's only a couple inches. Yeah. So you can leave it until it starts touching. Because once the plant tissue touches the side, you've got trapped moisture between the plastic and the plant. And mm. that's where your diseases and your other fungal okay. bacterial things can happen. So once okay. that happens, you can pop her right off and just okay. dry her off and okay. store. Now, what happens if you have two kinds of plants in the same dome and only one is like, you, you still can remove it, right? Like it's okay if one is less grown, like less... Oh, yeah. If one's okay. growing faster than the other is like That's three and pushing and yeah. the other one's just kind of sprouted. Yes. As long as you're okay. kind of monitoring the conditions, you should be fine with the little guy. Okay. For sure. All right. And so let's talk for a second. So then equipment wise, like I think then you get into lights and fans, mm -hmm. like something. So again, we you can go fancy dancy and spend a fortune or you can keep it pretty simple, right? So lights... Um, you know, Julia talked all about that and she really was a great advocate for the lower, you know, um, uh, T5s, right? Yeah. And just keep it, keeping it simple and keeping it so something that you can really keep um, low to your plant. Um, do you have the lights on when it's in the, when the lid is on? When the lid is on? Yeah. And yes. Still. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I keep okay. them so, on when the lid's still on. Okay. Yep. So lights, lights from ground zero, like soon as you put the seeds in the soil, you have to have the lights on. Okay, so that's good to know, right? Yeah, you don't have to have to, like they're not going to not grow if you don't have, they will still grow. Yeah. Yes, because the light's going to penetrate, etc. Okay. Sure. Um, and then remember, it's not the quantity of light that really is super important, it's the quality of the light. So they're going to photosynthesize with those blue and those red spectrums. So you can go out and grab a T5 or an LED, but you want to make sure that they've got those reds and the blues in their spectrums that are the highest that is going to give you the quality of the light because those are the wavelengths that are involved in photosynthesis and creating that food. Okay. Yeah. And I think the companies have done a better job of labeling um, that on the, you know, I know I bought a spotlight one and, it, you know, they, when I went to the display, like it was like, this one was for seed starting, this was for house plants, this is for flowering plants, you know, yes. so they, I think they've really come a long way. Um, and again, try to support your local uh, garden centers or your local businesses if possible. 
I know the big box stores or the internet places as well, but, uh, you know, try, and again, once you buy them, you know, it's not something you have to buy every year, right? Those lights will last a long time. Oh, they have like 10 to 50,000 hours of continuous use. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So, um, we've got a few questions. Okay that have popped in. Oh, that's a big one. Um, Joan has written in, make sure, Joe, did I get, yep. Okay. Joan's after Howard. Uh, Joan has written in. Hello folks. Thanks for the show. My question to you tonight is regarding pumpkin seeds. Number one, is it better to use fresh pumpkin seeds from the pumpkins we get for Halloween, or is it better to buy seed from the packet? Lastly, what about the pumpkin seeds in the grocery stores that are in packages uh, to eat? Can we also use them to grow pumpkins? I understand pumpkins are very hard to grow since they need a long growing season. What do you know regarding when to start the seeds for growing pumpkins? I live in Albany, New York. I'm in zone 5B. Thank yes, you. Which is where we are too. We're in zone 5B. We're in the same zone. Um, so let's, uh, oh, sorry, I just close it. Uh, let's break it down. So regarding pumpkin seeds, better to use fresh pumpkin seeds from the pumpkins for Halloween or buy a seed package. I would go for the seed package. You don't know what happened to the pumpkin or what it's been treated with, what chemicals it might come with. Not to say that, I mean, I've grown lots of stuff out of stuff from the veggies, but I think just quality, you'll get, you, you'll know what you're buying when you buy the seed package. Mm-hmm. Um Secondly, go- again, there's so, so much information, right, on how big it's going to be, how big the plant right. is going to be. That's there's, exactly you know, the that. seeds tell you so much more, Joan, that that the and and typically and I don't know, we'll have time to get to this today, but you're not guaranteed from the seed from the plant you're, that you're not guaranteed to have a plant that the, a fruit that looks the same as, as am I wording it properly? So mm-hmm. anyway, so I think my vote is to go for the seeds. Yep, that's exactly all I was going to okay. say. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. So take uh, it from the package. Right. Exactly. And I think taking that information, like the start date too, from the package uh, is probably better as well. Um, yes. uh, Joan, just to see. And um, and again, they're one of those things that even if you, you know, if it goes out June 1st instead of May 20th, it's okay. Yep. You know, it's better to, I, I think the mistake people make is starting things too early. And, yes. uh, you know, I think you, everybody's keen and we're all keen, you know, very keen and, and anxious to kind of do some planting and growing. But I think starting early is much more risky and much more leads to much more issues than being a little late. Yeah. You know, I'm often so late, I don't even bother, but you know, I'm not, so I don't follow my lead, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so don't uh, everybody just, you know, it, it's not too late. There's lots of time. There's lots of time. Yeah. Well, if you, if you do too early, you get the plants that are so big, they're growing so quickly uh, that you have nowhere to put them. So you're going to stunt them. They're going to become root bound. Other issues are going to occur. Your next part of the question there, Joan, was can we uh, use the pumpkin seeds in the grocery stores? They're usually salted or baked or treated. Um, depending on what's going on you could try them i never have if they're pure and untreated and they're just ready to go theoretically yes but again depending on how old they are which pumpkin are you getting you have none of that those stats there's all those other other things that you want to do uh pumpkins very hard to grow since they need a long growing season yeah and so then again just what joanne was saying just kind of keeping an eye what cultivar or a variety that you grow information on the seed pack average four to six weeks before your uh, average last frost date um and then i do remember pumpkins and uh gore or pumpkins and watermelons and gourds and things um they like a little bit of a hill where they're planted mm-hmm. too they like to roll so just another maybe thought for you to play with joan mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah excellent you, question you definitely need space you definitely need yes. space joan so um but that's exciting and i think you get the long growing season more at the back end because mm-hmm. they can they can take the bit of the frost that comes in September, right? Their pumpkins, we're not harvesting them till October. So I think they, they're a little hardier for that. So I think that's where the length of growing season goes versus starting them earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Joyce All writes right. in. Wow, you guys are on fire tonight. Excellent information. Uh, these seed stuff is more of a hobby, I think, as uh, oh, as it is so much easier just to buy a packet. Um, just saying. So I think like as buying like a plant, maybe Joyce means or yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, and it can be it could be super niche. I mean, you've, yeah, yeah, and that was how I started my journey into horticulture. I grew a cantaloupe. Funny enough, Joan, straight from mom bought one at the grocery store and chopped mm. it open. I was like, "What? It, will these grow? I wonder." And yes, I grew it in the shade and had the smallest cantaloupe. But that was <laughs> the beginning. The Did it really grow a little cantaloupe? It grew one that was probably about the size of a like a, a softball. Softball. Okay. Yeah, and I it was a. I'm ceremony. so proud of you for having this sports analogy. That oh, was good. Right, that's about as good as it goes. <laughs> Man, guys, he knew. No, I'm just yes. teasing. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> wow. Where is all the time going? Gary's like speeding things oh. up here for us. So uh, yeah, we might have to, I don't know. Um, so we talked about oh, equipment, yes. yep. planting. We did, you know, we're doing okay. Troubleshooting. I think that's where the fan comes in. I think that's something people don't realize <laughs> that you need, um, you know, once we've taken off the, you know, the, the, it's germinated, it started to grow. We've taken off the lid. We have, um, you know, introducing, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't certainly have to be high powered, but around it's really good for the plants to have some airflow. Now I did it last year on my yes. dining room table. I, uh, I did not have a fan or anything like that. So you can do it, but I do think that there is some, you know, some merits to trying one, I think for disease, especially if you're growing a large quantity, like you want to prevent disease. Um, I think it makes for a stronger plant, you know, just think of nature, like, like a light breeze, making those little guys stand up straight. You can, you don't need grow lights, you can have them in a sunny window, but that's when things tend to be really leggy and, and weak and stuff. So we really think that it, it is more advisable if you're going to go through all the work of buying the seeds and picking the seeds and, and doing it all, then really, you know, invest in, in a grow light instead of banking on um, a sunny window because that just makes it it's just tricky and I know I've tried everybody's tried it right like oh I'll just remember to spin them and I'll remember to rotate it and stuff and it, it just creates weak plants that doesn't set you up for success that's right so. that's right what other um troubleshooting um I think we talked about fan um watch for insects mm -hmm. uh if you had any uh, any fungus gnats or if you've got other house plants fungus gnats will very quickly uh nip things off one of the big things again just with the troubleshooting and that air circulation dampening off mm. um where that mold starts right at the soil surface and it cuts yeah. the plant in half there's no uh, at least in canada there's nothing to treat for that anymore so just just be careful there um and then just watch just watch your watering um i'm just trying to think of other troubleshooting issues that i've ended up having um watch out for the fertilizing um very Should light we, yeah do we need to be fertilizing only when they like to get to like two to four inches okay and then, again it start with you could do an organic thing that kind of mm -hmm. goes in or i like to do something if you go synthetic like a quarter strength and just water it in very lightly very lightly how about a compost tea yeah definitely okay okay yeah i don't know if everybody's familiar with some of those you can google that but they're little tea bags but it's just filled with compost mm -hmm. um so you can kind of soak those and make like a tea i think that would be like a nice gentle um thing to use but then i wasn't sure about the numbers you know yeah well and again the organics tend to be fairly low anyway yeah. um so yeah no that would be perfect yeah okay. nice nutrient dense for sure that'll feed for a while and are you weekly fertilizing it are you by <laughs> Yeah, more bi-weekly to tri-weekly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or and compost bi tea. Sorry, bi-weekly means twice a week. Uh, sorry, sorry. Every two oh, no, weeks. Or, every, two or weeks. every two weeks. Okay. So let's yeah. just say that because yes. I always every get two confused. Weeks. Every two weeks. Okay. So every other week we can fertilize. Um, yeah. And just, I think the biggest thing is to stay, you got to monitor, right? Um, yeah. to, so that you can fend off any problems and the damping off thing. Um, the fan will help with that, but yeah, once it takes hold it, and it really can spread, so you it's can over. lose your whole little crop. So, um, and then hardening off. No. Yeah. So that's basically our seedlings are all grown inside. We've got the indoor temperatures anywhere usually from 18 to 22 or plus degrees inside. Taking them outside is suddenly going to shock them in May or depending on where you are, your average last frost date. Things are usually still anywhere from that 9 to 18 degrees mm -hmm. randomly during the day. It's warmer during the day, very cold at night. So for about a week to two weeks, depending on what kind of conditions you have, you want to take them out during the day into a warm 
warm, uh, indirect bright light area and let them kind of adapt to those temperatures during the day and bring them in in the evening. Mm-hmm. Tropical winter is 16 degrees. Most of the veggies are, are the annuals for us, at least up here. Uh, so when you start to drop back down to that eight or seven degrees, that will burn them right off. Yeah. So just bringing them in and popping them back out, getting them the use for that week to week and a half, and then you can plant them out. There's nothing really that'll happen. Save a freak frost, again, the average last frost date, and just kind of watching and being mindful mm-hmm. of the weather. That's either ready to go as the days just keep getting warmer and they'll have adapted to any sun issues and sun. So that's what like hardening off really means, like just getting them adapted to the outside, right? You got it exactly. Yeah. Because they've grown in such tropical conditions indoors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we have had cases where people have just planted their gardens and then there's going to be a frost. So there are things like you can do, like you can lay, you know, fabric down or you can do some things to kind of protect uh, to loosely protect, uh, them. Um, but that's why I think, you know, it's, I think it's safer to plan for like a June 1st, um, date. Yeah. Um, so just really keep, keep that in mind. So, and uh, so yeah. The more you garden and the more you're out there and planting in at that time of year, you'll get to know your regions kind mm-hmm. of, you'll get that experience and go, eh. this experience says, let's do June 10th. Let's do yeah. June whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, definitely. Sure. So, and I think too, whether you're, you know, there's, then we get into all the variables of whether you're planting right in the ground or you're planting into a raised bed, um, that type of thing as well. So, uh, so yeah, so I think we covered a lot. I know we did it quickly. The time just always flies here on down the garden path. Doesn't um, yeah. So um, if you have questions, so I thought Matt, this was, I didn't even run it by you, but um, please everybody join our um, Facebook group down the garden path podcast on Facebook. And that's a great place for all of us to kind of work together over their seed starting project, right? Like if you're going to start seeds and if you've got questions or need a little handholding, you know, it's a perfect place. Don't you think they can share pictures with us and, um, you know, Matt can diagnose things right away because he's looking at it at the school, at the nursery, um, you know, or the greenhouse there. No, I'm kidding. I'll look too. I promise I'll help as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you've got questions or questions about seeds and uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think that's a great resource because, you know, we can't do it all here um, in this hour that flies by all the time. Uh, so we'd love for you to join us there where we can, you know, do maybe a little bit more handholding in our spare time, like when we have a chance. It's like we're not sitting there waiting for you guys, but uh, right. You got it. Yeah, that's right. Just on that note, um, Michelle, Paula and Sam, I want to say thank you for your questions. I I apologize. We didn't get to read them on uh, air as we going uh, just about to end the show, but we will get right back to you uh, right after the show regarding your questions. And we really appreciate you writing into down the garden path this evening. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you everybody for always writing in and we're going to do our best that we can to, uh, to get to all your questions. Um, again, you can always reach us at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. Um, also our Facebook group. Um, you can find me and all my social media links at down to earth.ca with the number two. I know I just forgot. Hmm. <laughs> And Matt, they can find you. You can find me at naturalaffinity.ca with all my social media links there as well. Excellent. Excellent. And we're excited. We're excited for this upcoming season. And and we really like we both will get the, the emails and we will both be in and out of the, the podcast uh, uh, Facebook group as well. So I think that's a great uh, place to visit us. That's right. What about uh, upcoming shows? The next Yes, we've got days. some good ones for everybody. That's right. Next week, February 15th, it's family day here north of the border. Uh, But we are going to be joined by Tim Burroughs, electric car and Tesla enthusiast, as we talk about uh, electric cars and uh, climate change and uh, Mm -hmm. explore that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we just love these learning more about all these different ways. Uh, that we can uh, positively impact the environment and just learn about because there's always so much um, information about it but not all accurate so we were just trying to find the experts in all our little areas and I look forward to hearing Tim speak that's right and then the week after that rounding out February 28th the very last day is it the 28th I think I might be wrong 
Um, February 28th, we're going to be joined by, we've had her before, uh, Jennifer McGinnis, and we are going to talk about her new, uh, or sorry, it's the 22nd. Uh, it's her new book, <laughs> Micro <laughs> Food Gardening, <laughs> with Jennifer McGinnis. So we're going to talk about all about growing food in small places and how exciting about that is with her new book coming out. That's right, because her book will be coming out, I think, the beginning of March. So we're so lucky that we have her at the end of February to tell us all about the book. And uh, yeah, so that is great. And it's called Micro Food Growing. So wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian, Chris, Don, Howard, Joan, Joyce, Michelle, Paula, and Sam. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again this lovely Monday evening on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for joining us down the garden path. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.